You may be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, this morning, I want to look at our Old Testament reading from Exodus, from the 19th chapter, and I want to look at specifically one verse. It's verse 5 of that chapter. Uh, for those of you here in your bulletin, we don't have the verse numbers, but it's about halfway through the reading uh, at home, if you want to grab a Bible, it's the fifth verse again from the 19th chapter of Exodus. And this is God speaking to the Israelites. And he says this, If you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. That's what I want to look at. If you obey me, you will be my treasured possession. This conditional statement from God. And I want to think about what what we're supposed to take from that. How are we to understand that? Is God here saying that he will love and bless the Israelites only if they obey? That doesn't seem like the God of grace we know. Or is he saying something else? So let's first look at the context of our passage. It's always important to look at the context. Again, we're reading from chapter 19, and at this point in the Exodus story, God has rescued the Israelites from their bondage in Egypt. And we know the story. Uh, The Israelites were slaves. Uh, They were in misery, and so they cry out to God to be freed. And God hears their cry, and he rescues them. He saves them. And then what God does is God leads them out of Egypt into the wilderness and he brings them to this mountain, the mountain that is referenced in our reading. And at this mountain, God meets with his people, his people worship them. And then very importantly, God renews his covenant with the people. And as part of that covenant, a big part of that covenant, is God giving the people his law or his commandments. Right after our reading today, God gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments. And then you have about 20 chapters after that where the commandments of God are fleshed out. There's a lot more details given on how you are to obey the commandments. So that is the context for our reading and for this verse. God is about to give his commandments to the people. And he says to them, if you obey me, if you keep my covenant, if you keep the commandments that I'm about to give you, then you will be my treasured possession. Now here's the first point I want to make, and probably the most critical point I will make. Uh, and it's, it's answering that question I began with. God is not saying here that the Israelites will earn God's love or God's favor if they obey him. God is not saying that. Sometimes we think about obedience that way. It's, it's really hard not to think about it this way. We think that if we please God, if we obey him, if we live the life that we're supposed to live, well, then God will be happy with us. And God will bless us. We, we fall into that mindset that we earn God's favor 
through obedience. And in fact, you hear this uh, in some churches. I mean, the whole prosperity gospel movement is built on this. You obey, and then you're blessed. But again, that is not what God is saying here. That's not his intent. And we know that, it, that this is not his intent because of the verse that precedes the one we read. So look at your bulletin, or if you have a Bible at home, um, look right before the verse we read. This is verse 4. Um, when God introduces his commandments, he does not jump to obey me. That's not where he begins. He begins with something else. He says this, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, because of this, if you obey me, you will be my treasured possession. So God begins by saying, you were enslaved, you were oppressed, and I saved you. And and God speaks of himself as an eagle. When we think of an eagle, we think of a really powerful bird, which it is. But in the Hebrew mindset, the eagle was known for how it cared for its young, protected its young. And so God's saying, I protected you. In, the, in that verb he uses, I bore you or, or I carried you uh, on eagle's wings. You know, you know think about it and, and what God is saying here. What did the Israelites contribute to their deliverance from Egypt? Did they fight their way out? Did they concoct some complicated escape plan? No, they didn't do anything. Nothing at all. It was God's action that saved them. God, and he alone, delivered them. And and so God starts by saying, listen, look at what I've already done for you. I've accepted you. You are already my people. I've committed myself to you. Now, therefore, obey. God's grace precedes obedience. And this, again, is critical for us to see. Uh, It's in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So, So again, the obedience that God is calling the people to, it cannot be uh, for them to earn God's favor. He's already done that. He's already blessed them, already made them his people. So what is this obedience for? Again, God says, if you obey me, you will be my treasured possession. When I was a sophomore in college at North Carolina, I met my wife, and we started dating. And Trisha was one year ahead of me. And I can remember when we started dating, thinking, you know, why in the world is this girl dating me? You know, how long can I make this last? Uh, so we started dating, and uh, things got serious after a while. And I realized, uh, as the relationship developed, that I wanted to make her happy. So I started to try to learn about her, try to ask her questions, figure out what made her happy. And then I would do those things. Because when she was happy, I was happy. Right? That's what, that's what love looks like. That's what love looks like. In a loving relationship, 
you place your happiness and joy into the happiness and joy of the other person. I mean, the opposite of this is a relationship that exploits, where you use the other person for your happiness. But love doesn't exploit. No, rather, in a, in a loving relationship, your joy is their joy. And the more that they are delighted, the more you're delighted. God says to the Israelites, he says, I've saved you from oppression. I've redeemed you. I've committed myself to you. Now obey me so that you can be my treasured possession. And again, he's saying, he's not saying, obey me so I can accept you. No, what he's saying is, I've done my part. I've listened to the deepest needs of your heart. I heard you crying out in misery. heard you crying out in oppression. And I came to you. Now reciprocate. And he says, what I'm about to show you in the law, that is what delights me. I delight in honesty. I delight in integrity. I delight in mercy, in justice, in love. And God is saying, I want you to put your happiness into my happiness. Obey me so that we might have this relationship of mutual delight, so that we can treasure one another. Uh, this word for treasure uh, that is used here in the Hebrew, it's, an, it's a kind of an odd word. Commentators talk about the uniqueness of it. But the word actually refers to the private treasure of a great king. So a king might have a, a huge amount of treasure, but this is referring to his, his private and personal treasure, objects of special devotion, objects that he probably kept in his room and delighted in. And what God is saying to the Israelites is, I already love you. I've already accepted you, but I want you to reciprocate so that we can treasure one another, so that we can grow in this relationship. And so what we see here is the purpose of obedience is intimacy. That's the key point. Obedience leads to intimacy. So now let's, let's think about what that means for us as followers of Jesus. God has come to us in Jesus. And in Jesus, God has delivered us from our bondage, our bondage to shame, our bondage to pride, bondage to fear and loneliness, bondage of, to selfishness. The New Testament calls this the bondage of sin. He's delivered us from this. He's delivered us from the bondage of death. He frees us. And then he gives us a new identity. In our baptism, we become children of God. We become part of his people. At that point, we are invited into a relationship with Jesus. And so the question at that point is, what does a relationship with Jesus look like after he's done these things for us, freed us and given us a new identity? How do we grow in love? How do we get to know Jesus better? Well, Jesus tells us 
And not surprisingly, it's the exact same thing that God tells tells the Israelites at that mountain. In John 14, Jesus says this to us. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we keep the commandments of Christ not to earn his favor or to justify ourselves. No, instead we're just trying to please him. Him who, as Ephesians says, loved us and gave himself up for us. We try to love the one who loved us first. So we try to obey. Uh, And we don't do this perfectly, and that's okay. And in fact, Jesus tells us that he'll help us. Right after he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The next verse is, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So the spirit of God helps us in our obedience, helps us to grow in intimacy with Jesus. And then Jesus ends this passage in John 14 by giving us a promise, an outcome of our obedience. And he doesn't use that phrase, you'll be my treasured possession. But it's really close, same idea. And in fact, it's more profound. Jesus says the person who embraces this obedience of love, empowered by the Spirit, he says that person, this is verse 21, I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then verse 23, my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Make our home with him. That that is intimate language. So same idea, just a more profound declaration. This idea that obedience leads to intimacy. Intimacy with the father and the son enabled by the Spirit. I came upon a um, little quote by a man named Steve Peglow, and I want to share it. It convicted me when I read it, and I'll end with this. But he says this. He says, so many of us live as common law Christians. We want the benefits of living with Jesus without making the commitment And yet, even as the full joy of living together is found only within the context of the commitment of marriage, so too the joy of following Jesus is found only in abandoning oneself to every word that proceeds from his mouth. And so the question I encourage you to think about today is, in your life, what does obedience to Christ look like? God says to the Israelites and to us, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.